Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and your moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, February 27, 2022. The share ID numbers for Friday, February 25th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 18,601. That's 18601. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 18,602. That's 18602. This morning, a vision for you presents Bridge to Freedom, Closer Than You Think. We come to Overeaters Anonymous looking for a way out of the pain and suffering, looking for a solution which will free us from the torture and the bondage of our disease. Overeaters Anonymous stands for the proposition that the 12 steps give us freedom from the bondage of food. The 12 steps are introduced in the big book with these words, and I quote, Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. End of quote. Our path is the 12 steps. They are the heart of recovery. The big book was written as a set of directions for doing the steps quickly and effectively. It's not a book of theory or philosophy. It offers a clear step-by-step approach for your recovery. It enables you to really and fully understand the problem, that the only solution that will ever work for people like us is something that gets rid of our mental obsession. Yes, it's a race for time against our mind. Hence, the urgency of the 12 steps, because we are desperate to reach the bridge to freedom. Joining us this morning to speak on the Bridge to Freedom and the Big Book's instructions are two recovered compulsive overeaters. We have speaker number one, Larry Kay, overeaters loyal servant from Chicago, Illinois, and speaker number two, Harlan G., overeaters anonymous loyal servant formerly from Chicago, Illinois, now residing in Scottsdale, Arizona. And it's with great appreciation that we get this presentation started with Larry Kay. Good morning, Larry. Thank you. Good morning, Leah. You can hear me good? I hear you very well. Okay. Thank you so much for your service. And again, thank you for getting us started. I'm Larry Kay. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and I do reside. I'm I'm close to Chicago. I'm not exactly in Chicago, but I'm close enough. Um, you, you know what? What I was thinking this morning um, about this big book study that we that we engage in each morning. This meeting had to find a name back in 2012, June of 2012, when it started, and how appropriate it was that it settled uh, 
for the, the title of chapter 11 in the big book would be our namesake, A Vision for You. And it's got, it's got a nice ring to it, right? And, and I've been coming to this meeting since its inception in 2012, kind of filtering in early on. And um, it's really an extraordinary, extraordinary thing, this fellowship. Um, over the last 10 years, I, I've had, as, as some others have had, kind of a front row seat uh, to, 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 to witness some, some of the most miraculous transformations spiritual experiences, spiritual awakenings, and it still gives me goosebumps. Like I have goosebumps, I wish you could see my arms. I have goosebumps right now um, about those transformations. And yet also I can say that, you know, because this disease is permanent, it is progressive. It is ultimately fatal that sadly there are some people that did join us in 2012 that are no longer with us. They're no longer alive. Um, some have, you know, this disease it took some way too early. And, and, I, and I only mention that. There's great hope in what we're going to be talking, what Harlan and I are going to be talking about this morning. But I also mentioned that I never want uh, to, to, to give short shrift to the progressive and fatal nature of this disease. I don't get goosebumps about that, that part. That's, that's the sad part. But, I, but the hope is in this transformation, and it works every time. And you, you might be asking yourself this morning, you know, here we are, what is it, February 27th, uh, 2022. You, you know, how is this going to happen for me? You know, I, I'm hopeful, you might be thinking. But, but if I'm honest, if I'm honest, it, it almost sounds too good to be true because I'm suffering. I'm really suffering, and I, and I don't see a way out of this storm. And, you know, on page uh, 152, which is, of course, the, the chapter of vision for you, uh, I'm going to flip over to page 152 because I want to read this to you. The first full paragraph, it says on 152, we have shown how we got out from under. And you say, yes, I, I'm willing, but am I to be consigned to a life where I shall be stupid, boring, and glum like some righteous people I see. I know I must get along without liquor, but how can I? Have you a sufficient substitute? And it goes on. Yes, there, there is indeed a substitute, and it is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous, our case, Overeaters Anonymous, and there you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. And the most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus we find the fellowship and so will you. And it goes on to say, well, well how is that to come about? So how is that to come about, you ask? Where am I to find these people? Well, you're going to meet these, these new friends. And I won't go on. You're going to meet them at meetings like Vision for You. You're going to meet them in your communities. You're going to meet them. And, you know, I've probably, um, I've, I've made Leia cringe before <laughs> by telling her something that I'm about to share with you now. See, the thing is, the, um, the bold and courageous and spiritually filled women, I have to say, who started this, uh, there, was, there was a few, there was a smattering of men, not, not many, but, but that started A Vision for You in 2012. They don't particularly like taking credit. I've, I've realized that. There's, there's a great humility, and it's real. And they don't like taking credit for that. But I, 
I've conveyed to Leia M on more than one occasion my opinion. So it's just my opinion, and it's born of, of sincere gratitude. And I told her that I believe Roseanne S., our founder, would be proud of her and the other women who set out to create this fellowship, a fellowship that they craved so that others could recover as they had. And Roseanne had nurtured OA for some 50 plus years, 54 years. She died in January of 2014. And I, and I think, I, I've talked to some people that, have, that, that knew her. I think she was aware of a vision for you. I think our founder was aware of vision for you, although it was only a couple years into the making. It didn't have the thousands that are participating these days. But I think Roseanne, towards the end of her life, was aware of this, this growing movement here. Now, if this is your very first meeting, I heard a couple of people that said, hey, this is my first meeting, at least with vision. If this is your very first meeting with us, or if you were hanging out with us back in 2012, there's something I want to draw your attention to. There's something, you know, an observation, if you will, something critical to your recovery. First, our history in OA tells us that Roseanne, because she's a very important person to me, she became OA's first visionary. She was all, always searching for new ways to reach out and convey the message of recovery. She wanted to help people to cross this bridge to freedom. And she abandoned her initial attempts to rewrite the 12 steps and the 12 traditions for compulsive overeaters, relying instead on the, on the, on the fundamentals you know, of the original steps and traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. She became convinced from what I've studied, of her own words, she became convinced from her own bitter experience of relapse, where she had to voluntarily step down from the board at a certain point, the, the very organization she founded, that it was imperative for OA to become realigned with the basic message of AA's spiritual program of action, a spiritual recovery by the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions as laid out in this text that Leah was talking about, this, this thing that we lovingly refer to as the big book. And, and she did that. What great humility. You know, and, and so when I, when I mentioned that, you know, uh, Leah talked about clear-cut directions on page 29, and there is a solution. It talks about clear-cut directions that are given, showing exactly how we recovered. And the steps were never designed. What we're gonna, Harlan and I are gonna advocate for is working the steps, steps quickly with the enthusiasm necessary for someone who is desperate and dying of an untreated illness. And even the website at A Vision For You, I was on there this morning, you guys, and the website tells us, it says, if you want to read about a vision for you, because there's no vision for you program. It's a, it's a healthy meeting for me. I come every day to study the big book, right, Monday through Friday, and then here on Sundays about more about the personal stories and transformations and so forth. But on the website, it says, here at A Vision for You, we study the first 164 pages of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We do that Monday through Friday. And it goes on to say there are also special edition meetings, these Sunday meetings, covering various topics and personal stories of transformation made possible through what? Through the teaching and practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. If you are looking for a workbook, a vision for you workbook, you're not going to find it. 
if you're looking for vision for you, uh, you know, uh, spreadsheets, uh, you're not going to find it. If you're looking for a vision for you outside self-help books, as much as you know, many of us like to read, you're, you're not going to find it. No how-tos on, on how you should meditate or, or how you should pray. You're not going to find it. The only consideration is recovery from the practice of the steps and traditions. And the steps and traditions are what are going to allow you to have a spiritual transformation. That's going to give you the bridge to freedom, and you're closer than you think. And I remember coming to, to meetings way before vision, years before vision, and, and I struggled, and I struggled. And it wasn't so much relapse. I never was entirely abstinent. And I, I, dis- I, I suffered from this disease terribly, even in Overeaters Anonymous. And there's a bit of controversy, we'll admit, in, in 12-step programs, not just in OA, with regard to the speed at which one works through the steps. Now, at the, at, at the outset, what I, what I want to say is, let me say that Harlan and I are going to advocate for completing the steps quickly, then, of course, for a lifetime. We complete the steps quickly, then, of course, for a lifetime. And I'm going to start off because I really want to get to the good stuff with Harlan because he gives the good stuff. But I'm going to start off by laying out a foundation for why this is so. Why quickly? Because it's important that this trajectory that we set upon for navigating through the steps rapidly has, a, has a, an historic basis. And then Harlan will go in, he'll dive into the book, and he's going to give you some history as only he can, right? And as always, um, you know, on some of the early pioneers and some of the people who experienced the spiritual transformation as the result of the steps and how quickly they moved through it. So our collective recovery is like a gem. See, we get the opportunity to polish that gem every day. And there's a metaphor that I want to share with you about perception, because doesn't it really come down to our perception? Our perception that lends itself to illustrating this idea of working the steps rapidly. And through pain, you know, we hear again and again about people who trusted in a sequential process, you know, one step at a time, sequential process of action in order that led, you know, spiritual in nature, which these steps are, that has led them to the unfolding of a spiritual awakening. Some cases, a spiritual experience more quickly. But for most of us, the awakening, much, much, it comes about much more uh, slowly. And the metaphor I want to share with you is about the weight of a glass filled with water. And the question really becomes, how, how heavy is this glass of water I'm holding? Now, now from my perspective, you know, the, the, the absolute weight of the glass of water is, is irrelevant. It all depends on how long I hold that glass of water. If I hold it for a minute or two, it's, it's pretty light. I don't notice it. If I hold it for an hour straight, its weight probably will make my arm ache a bit. And if I hold that glass of water for an entire day, my arm's going to likely cramp up and it's going to feel completely numb and it's going to feel paralyzed, forcing me to drop that glass of water. And in each case, the, the, you know, if you look at the absolute weight of the glass, it doesn't change at all. But the longer I hold it, the heavier it feels to me. And I draw the parallel with that glass of water and holding on to the steps. 
and how folks often work the steps slowly, holding on, and our worries and our fears and our resentments and all other manners of character defect, right, are very much like the glass of water. Now, we think about them for a little while, and nothing drastic happens. You think about them a bit longer within the, the step work process, you begin to feel noticeable pain both emotional and physical pain. And if you think about them all day long or for months, just like that glass of water, you're gonna become paralyzed and incapable of doing anything else until you drop them. And with our creator's help, with the help of our higher power, one of our own understanding, we, we get to move through this quickly and then for a lifetime, we uncover and we are gonna discover some things about ourselves some certain patterns and then with God's help, they are going to be discarded. And then we build a spiritual skill set in which we do this for a lifetime. Now, hypothetically, before I hand it off to Harlan, I want to, for our purposes this morning, I, I want to I take a walk with you back to, say, 1947. I've shared this before, but I think it's, it's useful this morning. 1947, you walk into an AA meeting. Just like I walked into my first meeting with pizza stains and a pizza box in my passenger seat. But you, 1947, you walk into an AA meeting and you're sick and suffering and you're dying from untreated alcoholism. And you wander into the, to the rooms of AA for the first time. And here, here is essentially what you, you could have expected that would happen. Uh, you, you, you would have been welcomed upon entering. They would have welcomed you. You would have been embraced upon entering. And you would have been very likely introduced to all the members of that respective group, right? And, and, and they would have assigned you what was called a sharing partner back in the 1940s. So, so you would have been linked up with someone. A sharing partner, by the way, means the exact same thing as a sponsor. You know, a Sherpa, someone that's going gonna to walk you through the steps. And what they called a sharing partner in the 1940s, we call a sponsor today. And, and we didn't have the term back then, which is why, you know, if you search the first 164 pages of the big book, you're not going to find the term sponsor. You'll find it in, in, in the back of the stories a little bit that came later. But you're not going to find it in the first 164 pages. But we, but we get the idea. This whole, but the whole thing of searching out for somebody, didn't, it, it, it didn't exist back then. They would have linked you up with a sharing partner. You're with her. You, Larry, you go over here, you're with him. And that sharing partner would have sat you down at that very first meeting, and they would have said essentially the following. They would have said, look, I'm going to be your advocate over the course of four sessions that are going to take place during the span of four weeks, about one hour, maybe, maybe 90 minutes per session. And what's going to happen tonight is we're going to go over the first three steps. So tonight you're going to find out what's wrong with you, in step one, you're going to find out the solution to what is wrong with you in step two, and you're going to make an affirmative declaration. In other words, something you say out loud in step three, based, of course, on your understanding of, of the problem and the solution to the problem, that, that essentially you're, you're ready to get to work. And then next week, uh, assuming you, you come back, we're going to go over steps four and five. And we're going to talk about a searching and fearless moral inventory. And in the week between meetings two and three, you're going to do your four-step inventory. 
And, I, and I'm going to help you with that because I see that you're shaking. See, back in the 1940s, these were gutter drunks. I see you you got delirium tremens, your hand's shaking a bit. I'll even do the writing for you. We don't typically have to do that in a way, but okay. And, uh, and, and you and I will sit down and we'll do your fifth step. And then when you come back for the third week, we'll go over step six, seven, eight, in the beginning of step nine. See, they're all on one page, page 76. So you and I know that if you study this book. And in the days between sessions three and four, you're going to do your eight-step list. And you'll begin doing your ninth step amends. And when you come back for week four, well, we'll, we'll begin learning about steps 10, 11, and 12, at which time you will be a recovered alcoholic. You'll find that the obsession to drink will be eradicated. It will be driven out at that point. And you're going to learn, you know, at that point, you're going to learn how to maintenance and grow what you've been given by the spiritual program of action which, of course, is recovery. It's what we call recovery. And then you'll become a sharing partner for others. And then, of course, you know, at that point, that evening, you know, you walk into that first meeting, uh, you, the sick and suffering addict, either had the opportunity to stay for that, that meeting and begin that process for getting well, or you can run like hell, which many did, depending on, you know, where, where you were, where you were at, on the, on the spectrum of desperation at that point, right? Now, that is unequivocally what was going on for the first, say, quarter of a century in Alcoholics Anonymous. And remember, Roseanne got back to that too. Now, I'm not saying that, that that's the way you have to work the 12 steps. I'm not saying that at all. There's many people on this line that do not work the steps that way, and I have no judgment, no judgment at all towards that. I'm not saying it's the way you have to do it. But, but, but for the first quarter of a century, first 20 to 25 years, that's how this message was carried. That was how this message was developed and put together by our pioneers and our co-founders, which is essentially another way of saying that that was how it was meant to be done. Not, not how it has to be done, but certainly how it was meant to be done. Now, if we cut to, uh, here we are, February 2022. You're, you're, you're a sick and suffering compulsive overeater. You're dying of untreated compulsive overeating. And you, and you wander into a, an OA meeting for the first time. Uh, you, you may or may not be welcome. Now, envision for you, you're, you're going to be welcome. But, but I've been to meetings all around the country. And Harlan's been, if I've been to 100, he's been to 1,000, right? You, 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 you may or may not be welcome. Depending on the meeting, they may or may not realize you're a new person. They may have a greeter. They, they, they might not have a greeter. They, they may not be, you know, looking out for such a thing. And there's a very decent chance that you'll be like me when I first showed up to OA, that you'll wander into the back of the room. You'll find a chair closest to the door. I might have to skedaddle, right? And you'll sit down, and you will have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> and, and, and depending on what type of meeting this is, and considering, you know, that a lot of topic and discussion meetings, no, no offense to those, but topic and discussion meetings, uh, uh, you know, are, are, are very common. Um, I think it's like seven to one. Uh, they outnumber literature meetings, i.e. big book studies like we have on Vision for You. 
That's that's from you know I get that data from from AA, but but it's something like that. So don't don't you know quote me on that. But but it is it is very common. The topic and discussion meetings, problems, different issues, they're fine as as far as they go. But I think literature meetings are outnumbered clearly. Chances are because of that, you're going to hear you'll hear someone's story, which may or may not be interesting to you. And depending on the meeting. They may talk about the 12 steps. Uh, you may hear nothing about the 12 steps. Depending on the meeting, they may talk about sponsorship. They may not talk about sponsorship. And if they do talk about sponsorship, you may start the laborious process of wandering around North America looking for a sponsor. And who knows how long that's going to take, right? And when you eventually do find a sponsor, it is a very possible chance that that sponsor will tell you that these steps, which you need to save your life, are going to take you upwards of a year or more to work, during which time there's a very good chance you will relapse or die. Now, I'm not suggesting that's what's going on in every meeting, right? I'm not suggesting that at all. I love Overeaters Anonymous. I, I'm definitely suggesting that's what's going on in many of the meetings these days. So over the course of the first 25 years in AA, we maintain an astonishing recovery rate in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, in the, and, and remember, Roseanne and many others, I mean, I, like I said, Roseanne, Bernice, Joe, these early courageous women, they'd be proud of, 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 of what's been accomplished here on A Vision for You. But they moved, Roseanne in particular, moved closer to the pattern after AA, the 12 steps, the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions and working those thoroughly, but working those quickly. But they had in, in early AA, the first 25 years, they had astonishing recovery rates. Uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and, and we've not, you know, the past 25 years, we haven't done as well, although I think there's been a resurgence. I think with the likes of the vision for you, I think also, in my opinion, with Zoom and, 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 and utilizing other technologies and so forth, I think the rates of recovery will improve over time. But it's amazing if we can pull off a 5% rate of recovery in a given year. And I said this not to disturb, but we're killing more people than we're saving historically. And that, my friends, is troubling to me. Thank God for healthier meetings where we study like a vision for you. So the idea of revisiting how to cross the bridge to freedom and then for a lifetime is to get back to the very basics of what this program is so you can understand what it is and what it isn't. Because what we need to do is engage in a process of getting well. And I'm going to, before I hand it off to Harlan, who's going to dig a little further here because he's passionate about this as well. There's a great philosopher. We're not going to, this is, I'm not going to lay, I'm not quoting outside sources here. There's a great philosopher. She used to live in Minnesota. She's now from New York. And she said something a while back. She doesn't talk a whole lot these days, but she said something a while back that stuck with me. I don't know where she heard it, but knowing her, she probably came up with it. But um, she said, you can't teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you don't go. You can't be what you are not, and you can't give what you ain't got. Today, what we commit to is studying these steps, working the steps quickly, 
and then working them for a lifetime. This is a process of becoming. It's an evolving process of becoming. It's not like a video game where you get to a certain level and then never to have to revisit the level before. No, it's not like that at all. But it is a spiritual skill set where we move through the steps quickly. We trust in a process, a transformative process, and then we work it for a lifetime. And now I'm gonna I'm gonna hand it off to a guy that you know that I that we many of us know. It's, dare I say we all know? Is he, you know what? I'll just say this, Harlan, before I hand it off to you. Sometimes I say, you know, one time I had a guy ask me, say, Harlan, it's, it's great stuff, but it's, it's probably overexposed. He's probably and I, you know, what about his ego? What about us? And I said, and I said, you guys, I said, the guy was once 700 pounds. The guy was dying. I'm not worried about his ego. <laughs> and he's helped people like me. And okay, he's from Chicago. I don't, you know, I won't hold that against him anyway. Let's, let's, God bless you. God bless you, my friend. You. All right, Harlan, let me hand it to you. Thanks, Thank you. Larry. Great job. Thank you so much. As Larry said, I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Scottsdale, Arizona, but there's Lake Michigan running through my veins. I'm born and raised in Chicago. Um, I'm not going to go into my whole history. We don't have the time, and it's not the subject matter of today, but before I say a word, I want to tell you that today I am alive. Today I have maintained a normal body weight or healthy body weight. My cardiologist is happy. I walked three miles this morning. I got up real early. I walked three miles. I can get up out of a chair. I can get in and out of a car. Why is that so important? Because there were decades and decades of my life where those things would have been impossible. I was 335 pounds by the time I was a senior in high school. I was 500 pounds by the time I was a sophomore in college. I was over 600 pounds by the time I graduated college. I had a size 80, 90-inch waist, depending upon when you're talking. And I wanted to die a lot more than I wanted to live. I never made plans for a future because I knew that there was no future for someone like me. I beg God for death every day of my life. And today, I am alive. God whispered on the one ember of my heart that had not burned up in my quest for suicide. God whispered on that ember and it burst into flames. And I'm alive today as a living testimony of this program. The miracles contained in it, the fellowship in it, and most importantly, a higher power that I choose to call God. Why was I saved? Was I saved because I'm so important? No. I was saved so I could pass the message to other people. There are many miracles in this world, and the definition of a miracle as I see it is something that occurs to which there is no scientific or logical explanation. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that attend Vision for You meetings every week, every day. We have people coming from all corners of the world that share on our meetings, and some come and do not share. They are equally important. And every one of those people that is in recovery is a living testimony that there is a powerful program and a powerful power greater than ourselves. 
Why were we saved? To pass the message to other people. On page XX of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says of alcoholics who came, this is the forward to the second edition, of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way, 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. That is 75% recovery rate, and as Larry was saying, we can't touch those today. Now, there are reasons that we can't touch those numbers today that have very little to do with how quickly we sponsor and that will be for another time. That will be for another special edition, not today. <clears throat> but let's take a look at some truths. Let's take a look at some things that are staring us in the face. On page 45 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is the thesis line of the big book. It says in the middle of the page 45, well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. It does not say that the main object of this book is for you to achieve abstinence or sobriety. Those are byproducts of what we endeavor to do here. The program promises much more than sobriety or abstinence. It promises that I will have a new relationship with my creator. It promises that this book is going to be about finding a enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. And if that's the main object of this book, it darn well better be the main object of my life. And the big book is going to describe for me how to do that exactly. On page 14 of the big book, at the bottom of the page, it is going to tell me exactly what to do, and there is a strong warning on page 14 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It says, my friend, he's referring to Ebby Thatcher, had emphasized the absolute necessity. Necessity is something that's extremely important of demonstrating these principles. What are the principles? The principles are the steps in all my affairs. Particularly was it imperative, imperative means important beyond all else, to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic, for if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, this is the second reference to sponsorship, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. If he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. Let's take a look at some historical evidence that these steps were not meant to be worked slowly over a long period of time. Now, let me predicate anything I say here. I am inviting you this morning to take what you want and leave the rest. I am speaking on my experience. I am speaking about the things that I have seen in a 43-year journey through these rooms. I have seen a lot. I have heard a lot. These are my opinions. I invite you again, take what you want and leave the rest. 
But Bill Wilson is going to enter the hospital after his initial meeting with Ebby Thatcher. Bill will enter the hospital on the 11th of December, 1934, drunk. He will remain sober on the 12th and the 13th. So for two days, he will remain sober. Note that because it's important. Two days, not two weeks, not two years, not two months, two days. He will remain sober. And on the 14th of December, 1934, he will work what we know today in the town's hospital with God and Ebby. He will work what we know today as the first 11 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It will start on page 13 where he says, There I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. Notice he is capitalized. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. Those are steps one, two, and three as we know them today. I ruthlessly faced my sins. That's step four in the Oxford group. They faced their sins with what we know today as our inventory and became willing to have my newfound friend, capitalized, that's God, take them away root and branch, steps six and seven, I have not had a drink since. In this paragraph on page 13, Bill will work steps one, two, three, four, six, and seven. My schoolmate visited me, Ebby Thatcher, and I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies, step five. We made a list of people I had hurt or toward whom I felt resentment. Step eight, I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals, admitting my wrong. Nine, never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. Ten, admitting you were, when you're wrong. Step ten, I was to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within common sense with thus just with would thus become uncommon sense. I was to sit quietly when in doubt, sought through prayer and meditation, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. Never was I to pray for myself except as my request bore on my usefulness to others. Then only might I expect to receive, but that would be in great measure. Step 11. Let's go to page 14. Page 14. Second to the last paragraph, while I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what had been so freely given me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in turn, might work with others. Step 12. On page 15, he will say, upon leaving the hospital, my wife and I abandon ourselves with enthusiasm. There's a fun word, enthusiasm. It comes from two old Greek words, entheos, from God, to the idea of helping other alcoholics, step 12, to a solution of their problems. He got to work right away. He didn't let any grass grow under his feet. He started sponsoring. And very often in the rooms of OA, I hear people say, I'm not going to sponsor. I'm afraid to sponsor. I'm not going to sponsor. Well, as our friend in South New Jersey says, you better be afraid not to sponsor. Because without sponsorship, you're not working a 12-step program. You're working an 11-step program. 
and we're waiting for perfection. Perfection is our enemy. It's not our friend. It stymies us in four. It stymies us in nine. It stymies us in life. And it stymies us in step 12. There is no perfect sponsor. The Yiddish word of the day is helfen. What does helfen mean? It means to help. Sounds almost like the English. You may want to make note of that. The Yiddish word of the day is helfen. But the bottom line is we need to get out there. The book will do the sponsoring for me. The doctor's opinion in the first three chapters, Bill's story, there is a solution and more about alcoholism is step one. Step two is chapter four, we agnostics. Chapter 5, How It Works, Steps 3 and 4. Chapter 5, excuse me, Chapter 6, Into Action, Steps 5 through 11. And Chapter 7, Working with Others, is Step 12. And if I bring you through those chapters quickly, I have sponsored you. If you want to recover, a Mickey Mouse could sponsor you. If you don't want to recover, Bill Wilson could sponsor you, and it wouldn't make a difference. Let's take a look at something that is something that we read, something that we study, but something we normally ignore. Page 89 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And this comes after, this comes after the fact that on page 59, 58, excuse me, I have said I'm willing to go to any lengths. Remember it says on page 58, if you've decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. We've already passed that. As a matter of fact, we've talked about that willingness three times. But let's see what it says on page 89. Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. Nothing will, insure, will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with alcoholics. Isn't this what I've been looking for my entire life? Now, I need to meet the qualifications to work with them, and the qualification in Step 12 is having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. If I've had that spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, now I'm qualified to go out there and help other people. But this is an insurance policy against compulsive overeating? Sign me up now. Sign me up now. Now, let's take a look at something very, very important that we need to remember. Because if we don't remember this, we will not remember that we are very, very uniquely qualified to help other people. On page 124 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says, Cling to the thought that in God's hands the dark past is the greatest possession you have. The key to life and happiness for others, with it you can avert death and misery for them. Now, Clancy Immeslin happens to be a very, very big hero in my life. I happen to think Clancy Immeslin is one of the greatest AA speakers I've ever heard. I've heard him in person twice, and I listen to him on podcasts all the time. 
Clancy Immeslin says, you do not get this program by absorbing spiritual information. You get this program by transmitting spiritual information. In other words, I learn more by teaching than I do by sitting and learning. And in teaching this program, I get to go over it every single day of my life, and I go over it to such a degree that I can remember page numbers, and I can remember quotes, and I can remember these various things, not because I studied them and took notes and went home and reread them. I learn these things by answering the same questions 83,000 times. So you start to familiarize yourself with the page numbers. You start to familiarize yourself with these things. And what happens over time is you begin to not only become a teacher, but you become a student of the program. And in transmitting that spiritual information, nothing will teach you more than working with others and transmitting that. And Clancy Immeslin used to say that all the time. St. Francis of Assyria. He used to say, preach the gospel, and if you must, use words. So we demonstrate these principles. That means we show people the steps with everything that we do. Now let's take a look at some historical things that may shed some light on this. Let's take a look at our co-founder, Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob wrote in the big book that he got sober on June the 10th, 1935. Evidence says it was June the 17th, 1935. Bill and Bob were notorious for getting things wrong. They got dates wrong more than they got anything else wrong. They got dates wrong a lot. But let's just go with what he wrote. June the 10th, 1935. Bob, it's a quarter to midnight on June the 10th, 15 minutes to midnight, and Bill Wilson is waiting up for him. Anne has gone to bed. No one could find Dr. Bob. He had performed a surgery that morning. He was a proctologist. I'm glad he wasn't operating on my procto that morning because he had been drunk for a couple of days a week before that when he went to the American Medical Association convention in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and he was drunk the entire time. Of course, we know that by Googling that, we find out that that convention did not end for him to be home on the 10th. It started on the 10th. He got his dates wrong. So more than likely, this was June the 17th, 1935. But let's just go with what the dates that he said. He was reluctant to make his amends because he didn't want anybody to know he was an alcoholic. Well, the only person in Akron, Ohio, that didn't know that Dr. Bob was an alcoholic was, sadly, Dr. Bob. Everyone else knew that he was an alcoholic. And on June the 10th, 1935, he will get sober. And what happens right after that? He begins sponsoring. He is out helping other people. They called on several other people. And on June the 26th, 1935, 16 days after Bob got sober, 16 days after Bob got sober, they will call on Bill Dotson. 16 days after he got sober. Note that timeline because it can save your life.
How many of us today are out sponsoring 16 days after getting abstinence? 16 days later, they will call on Bill Dotson, and Bill Dotson will get sober after they experience some failures, but Bill Dotson will join them in calling on Ernie Galbraith, and they will call upon Ernie Galbraith in early July 1935, and Bill Dotson will work the steps very, very quickly as well. Let's go to, if you want to follow along with me, you can go to page 184 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, 184 in the fourth edition. It says, and I'm quoting, on June the 26th, 1935, I came to the hospital, and to say I was discouraged is to put it mildly. Each of the seven times I had left this hospital in the previous six months, I had come out fully determined in my own mind that I would not get drunk again for at least six or eight months. It hadn't worked out that way, and I didn't know what, the, what was the matter and did not know what to do. Now let's skip to the next page here. They're going to give him a couple of days to get sober, and what happens here? <clears throat> well, after a while, I'm at the bottom of the page, okay? After a while, Bill said, well, now you've been talking a long time. Let me talk a minute or two. This is Bill to Bob. So after hearing some more of my story, he turned 186, page 186 around and said to Doc, I don't think he knew I heard him, but I did. He said, well, I believe he's worth saving and working on. They said to me, do you want to quit drinking? It's none of your business. About, it's none of our business about your drinking. We're not up here trying to take any of your rights or privileges away from you, but we have a program whereby we think we can stay sober. They're off Offering him their way of life. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Now in the next paragraph here, the one that starts with the next thing they wanted to know was, was <coughs> excuse me, my allergies are just acting up like crazy. If I thought I could quit on my own accord, step one, without any help, step two. If I could just walk out of the hospital and never take another drink, if I could, that was wonderful, that was fine. But they would very much appreciate a person who had that kind of power, but they, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> but they were looking for a man who knew he had a problem and knew he couldn't handle it himself, step one, and needed outside help. The next thing we, they wanted to know was if I believed in a higher power. I had no trouble there because I had actually ceased to believe in God. I had never actually ceased to believe in God and had tried lots of times to get help but hadn't succeeded. Next, they wanted to know would I be willing to go to this higher power and ask help for help calmly and without any reservations. They're working him through the steps after a couple of days of sobriety. And then he lays there in the hospital, and what happens is they come back. They let him ponder on it, and he says, and he works through the rest of the steps without going into extreme detail, because we don't have the time. The bottom line is, on page 189, it says, it was in the next two or three days after I had first met Doc and Bill that I finally came to a decision, step three, to turn my will over to God, step four through 12, and to go along with this program the best I could. So he is working the steps three days after 
they meet with him two days after two days of sobriety. He's getting sober, and he will, on page 190, page 190 in the fourth edition, you see that that paragraph that says, I remember telling them, too, that it was going to be awful tough because I did some other things, smoked cigarettes and played penny-ante poker, sometimes bet on horse races, and they said, don't you think you're having more trouble with this drinking than with anything else at the present time? Don't you believe that you are going to have all you can do to get rid of that? Yes, I said reluctantly, I probably will. They said, let's forget about those other things, that is, trying to eliminate them all at once and concentrate on the drink. Of course, we had talked over quite a number of failings, step four that I had made in sort of an inventory step four, which wasn't too difficult because I had an awful lot of things wrong that were apparent to me. Then they said, there's one other thing. You should go out and take the program to somebody else who needs it and wants it, step 12. He's working through the steps, and they have him moving out there. Let's go, if you will, to page 214. 214. We're going to look in on one of our pioneers, and if he had lived a little longer, and if things were a little different, he might have been the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. You see, not to stop talking about sponsorship and, and brevity here, Dr. Bob wasn't really recognized as the co-founder of AA until 1938. Uh, Hank Parkhurst had a lot more to do with the writing of this book than Bob did. And Fitz Mayo had a lot to do with the formation of the book and the formation of the fellowship than Bob did at first. Uh, but Bob was in there, and he was sort of a last man standing. Uh, he, Hank Parkhurst got drunk in September of '35. But anyway, let's go to page 214. And on page 214, we see them, and uh, the, uh, Dr., not Dr. Bob, Bill Wilson, Dr. Bob was back in Ohio at this time, and Bill Wilson was at the town's hospital, and he was visiting this man, and this man's name was Fitz Mayo. And Fitz Mayo is going to be visited by Bill Wilson, and it says here, <clears throat> excuse me, I went out of here nine days ago. I'm toward the top of the page that I was going to be honest, but I wasn't, he answers. A fanatic, I thought to myself, but I was polite. What is it, I inquire. He's talking to Bill Wilson, and he's pretty skeptical. Then he asked me if I believe in a power greater than myself, whether I call that power God, Allah, Confucius, Prime Cause, Divine Mind, or any other name. I told him that I believe in electricity and other forces of nature, but as for a God, if there is one, he hasn't done anything for me. Then he asked me if I'm willing to right all the wrongs I have ever done to anyone, no matter how wrong I thought the others were. Am I willing to be honest with myself about myself and tell someone about myself, and am I willing to think of other people, of their needs, instead of myself in order to get rid of the drink problem? I'll do anything, I reply, that all of your troubles are over, says the man, that's Bill Wilson, and leaves the room. The man is in bad mental shape. Certainly, I pick up a book and try to read, but I cannot concentrate. I get in bed and turn out the light, but I cannot sleep. Suddenly, the thought comes, can all the worthwhile people I have known be wrong about God? Then I find myself thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, I find myself and see a few things I had wanted to forget. 
I begin to see I am not the person I had thought myself, that I had judged myself by comparing myself to others and always to my own advantage. It was a shock. It is a shock. Then comes the thought that is like a voice. Who are you to say there is no God? Step two, step three. It rings in my head. I can't get rid of it. Now let's go down a little bit longer, a little bit further. It says I get out of bed. Go to the man's room. He is reading. I must ask you a question. I say to the man, how does prayer fit into this thing? Well, he answers, you probably tried praying like I have. When you've been in a jam, you said, God, please do this or that. And if it turned out your way, it was the last of him, the last of it. And if you didn't, you said, there isn't any God or he doesn't do anything for me. Is that right? Yes, I reply. But that's, but isn't the way he continued, the thing I do is to say, God, here I am and here are all my troubles. I've made a mess of things and can't do anything about it. You take me in all my troubles and do anything you want with me. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does, I answer. So he's going to crawl back into bed. He's going to come to grips with the fact that God is his only way out. Page 216. Page 216, after getting sober, in the middle of the page, the paragraph that says get into the lives of other people, get into the lives of other people is one thing the fellows in New York had said. I go to see a man I had been asked to visit and tell him my story. I feel much better. I have forgotten about a drink. So Fitz Mayo is going to call on someone else. And in calling upon someone else, he is going to forget about the drink. Do you see the pattern here? Do you see that the promise of the book, that when all other measures fail, work with another alcoholic will save the day? Now, many of you may be saying, yes, Harlan, that's all true, but the big book hadn't been printed yet. What about after the big book? Well, Clarence Snyder will be the very first person that is going to sponsor out of the big book. And he advocated a thorough working of the steps, but did it quickly. But let's look in on another guy before we get into that. Let's look in on another guy, and his name is Jimmy Burwell, Alcoholics Anonymous's first atheist, page 226, page 226 in the fourth edition. This was the background that made me willing to listen on January 8th. After being dry two weeks and sticking close to Jackie, Jackie was his sponsor, all of a sudden I found I had become the sponsor of my sponsor, for he was suddenly taken drunk. I was startled to learn he had only been off the booze a month. So Jackie was sober a month and he was sponsoring Burwell or so himself, when he brought me the message. So Burwell is dry two weeks and sponsoring Jackie. Jackie was sober a month and sponsoring Burwell. You know what they say, be nice to the newcomers. One day they'll be your sponsor. But the bottom line is, these guys got up and at them. They didn't let any grass grow under their feet. Now, as a last peek into history, and I could give you more, but I'm not going to because we don't have the time. Page 263 of the fourth edition, page 263, we're going to look on a guy who is especially uh, dear to me and Larry because we're from Chicago. And if you're from Chicago, 
all the AA in Chicago sprang from Earl Treat and Sylvia Kaufman. Sylvia Kaufman and Earl were the ones that got AA going in Chicago. Let's go to page 263. Dr. Bob led me through all of these steps. At the moral inventory, he brought up several of my bad personality traits or character defects, such as selfishness, conceit, jealousy, carelessness, intolerance, ill temper, sarcasm, and resentments. We went over these at great length, and he finally asked me if I wanted these defects of character removed. When I said yes, we both knelt at his desk and prayed, each of us asking to have these defects taken away. This picture is still vivid. If I live to be a hundred, it will always stand out in my mind. It was very impressive, and I wish that every AA could have benefit, could have the benefit of this type of sponsorship today. Dr. Bob always emphasized the religious angle very strongly. I think it helped. I know it helped me. Dr. Bob has led me through the restitution step in which I made a list of all persons I had harmed and worked out the ways and means of slowly making restitution. So he went about his ninth step while he was working the rest of these things, and this is what they did. And he says, I wish everybody could have had the benefit of this type of sponsorship. These are some, but not all, of the historical references to working through the steps quickly rather than slowly. How long can you hold your breath underwater? Not long. And that's why we want to avoid, if we can, these long, drawn-out situations. I take people through the steps. Again, take what you want. Leave the rest. I'm not here to fight with anybody. I'm not here to, you know, I'm not here to argue with anybody about anything. I'm just sharing my hope, strength, and experience. And since talking to Larry, I will say both of ours. But the bottom line is a faster walk through the steps is more efficient than a slower walk based on my experience. We've got the rest of our lives to study these steps. We've got the rest of our lives to go through the big book. And Clancy Immisland, he said, you, he said, you do not get this program by absorbing spiritual information. You will learn this program by transmitting spiritual information. And there will be no greater joy in our lives, no greater joy in our lives than to transmit this to someone who is suffering and dying from this permanent, progressive, and if untreated, fatal illness This is an illness which has debilitated millions and millions of non-sufferers. In other words, the people around us, the children, the parents, the spouses, the people that are related to us by blood or affection, they are also affected. And when they can see recovery in our eyes, and they can see the recovery reflected in our behaviors and our body size, nothing will give them greater euphoria. Page 100. 
both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you progress, if you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power, and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances. In closing, let me just say this. This has to be, for me, the number one thing in my life without exception. And in other words, there's a word that sneaks up on us, and the word is priority. I know of a person with 12 kids and an ailing mother that had to be moved from one state to another and who does enormous amounts of service, that finds the time to sponsor, that finds the time to minister to the sick. I had a family. I don't have one now, but I had a family. I run a business. I am not retired. I have friends, and I have obligations, too. But the bottom line is, I found the time to eat. I found the time to get to the candy. I found the time to get to the french fries. I found the time to get to the Girl Scout cookies and the cakes and all the rest of the garbage. I found time for that. And yet I hear this every day. Well, my sponsor is going out of town for two weeks. I need, another, I need somebody to talk to. What do you mean your sponsor is going out of town for two weeks? Doesn't your sponsor have a disease uh, of compulsive overeating with cell phones and computers? We can't stay in touch with people? That seems absurd to me. That seems absurd to me. I hear people telling me every day, my sponsor only will talk to me Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. My sponsor will only talk to me three times a week. My sponsor will only talk to me at 7.14 a.m. Pacific time. Where did that come into the program? Where in the world did that come into the program? These guys dropped everything at a moment's notice to go help somebody who was suffering. I'm not criticizing you. I'm talking about my strength, my hope, my experience. That wouldn't work for me. I go out of town a lot, but I have a cell phone. I go out of town a lot. Not, any, not in the pandemic, I don't know, but I, go, I went out of town all the time to do retreats and speak at conventions, things like that. That didn't hold me back from sponsoring. I need to sponsor. I don't need a break from service. I don't need two weeks to lay on the beach and not be bothered with helping someone else. I might die. <sighs> so the bottom line as I close, and we'll take questions and answers here, is priority. Is this the number one thing in my life without exception? And I have to say, yes, it is. And if it is the number one priority in my life, because God only knows Oreo cookies were the number one priority in my life for decades of my life. God only knows I found the way to get to the Red Hot Ranch in Chicago and fresh fries and all the rest of the chazerai that's there. God only knows I made time to eat. But now that I want to recover, oh, I'm such a busy man. 
I'll be dead before I know what hit me. This is permanent, progressive, and fatal. And if I don't have time to recover and help others, then I better look at some things in my life and say, there are things that need to go because I need to live. And I'll close with this. God in his infinite wisdom saw fit to save my life from the hell and the muck and the filth of this disease. My life is dedicated to passing on what I have learned. And if yours is, then you will live a better life than you ever could have imagined. Because this disease is progressive, but the recovery is also progressive. And there are things in my life today that are healing and improving that when I came in here, I didn't even know they were broken. And that promise will hold for all of us. So in closing, I say this, nothing will ensure immunity from drinking like intensive work with other alcoholics. Quickly, Andale, Schnell, and that's the way to go. And with that, I will give it back to Leah. Uh, thank you for this brilliant presentation this morning, Larry and Harlan. A greatly appreciated presentation. So very compelling. Thank you for sharing the text, bringing it to life. Thank you for carrying the message of recovery with such conviction and enthusiasm. The share ID for today, 18,607. That's 18607. Larry and Harlan, their contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so you'll need to stay tuned for that. We will now transition to question and answer segment. Of course, it's going to be a little bit tight here due to time, but let's take a few. Star one to unmute. I need your first name as well as the first letter of your last name, please. Linda I hear a Linda. Lois P. Debbie V. Was that a Betty? Did I catch a Betty? What was the last? A Debbie V. I don't know if there you There we go, Debbie. Okay, that's... Thank you. Thank you. And in the interest of time, just a reminder, questions only... Let's begin with Linda, Linda, followed by Lois C., please. How about Lee H.? Good morning. This is Lee H., a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee, and I just cannot tell you how much I enjoyed that this program. I want to ask um, Harland, how short of a time have you spent with a compulsive overeater? Like, Well, the, the fastest I bring people through the steps is usually eight to nine days tops. Uh, we okay. go through very quickly. We do a chapter a day. 
There are seven impactful chapters here, plus the doctor's opinion is eight chapters. So there's the doctor's opinion in chapters one through seven is eight. So that's eight days, and I only give about two, three hours for them to finish, four hours tops for the fourth step. I do not allow step four to become this epic production. Uh, this is this is, in my opinion, a huge mistake. You get the fourth step. How long do people really work on it? About three, four hours. So let's knock it out in a day. Let's schedule the fifth step for the day after, and let's just clean out the closet as best we can. But again, the doctor's opinion. Each chapter that I'm telling you is like one day. The doctor's opinion, Bill's story, there is a solution, and more about alcoholism is all step number one. We agnostics is step number two. Working with our, excuse me, uh, how it works, steps three and four. And chapter 6, into action, is steps 5 through 11, and chapter 7 is, is step 12. We go through a chapter a day, but we do not allow dilly-dallying around step 4. So 8, 9 days, and we're done, but we're not done. I call my sponsor every day. My sponsees call me every single day. We check in. How's it going? Because there's no cure for this. There's no cutting you loose. I make the time for the new person. I make the time for the person that's been through the steps every single day. That's my priority. Thank you, Lee H., for your question. Shouting out for Lois C., star one to unmute. Hi, this is Lois P. in New York. Um, Thank you. My God, I think I'm like four feet off the ground. You guys just uplifted me so tremendously. Um, question, what was Roseanne's attitude? Uh, could you go back on that and just say, what was her attitude in taking the program back to the big book? Thank you. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, uh, Harland will have something to say because he, he, he knew her. But I'll, I'll just say what I've learned from him and, and from the history, too, Roseanne, um, she, listen, she was a, a pioneer. She went to a Gamblers Anonymous meeting in 1958, as we know. She later formed uh, with some neighbors <laughs> and later some others. Uh, you know, she determined that, hey, could this, could this work for her issues with food, right? So it started out, they had their early period of time where it started out where they were kind of like, that, that early period, that adolescent period that they talk about in AA, and they were trying to figure it all out. And this was a much more complex deal with the food, right? And so, but what happened with Roseanne, and Harlan could give his two cents on it too, is that over time, it became, for many people in our vernacular, our way of saying it, it became sort of dieting with group support. And they moved certain segments of, of OA moved further and further away from the core disciplines of working the 12 steps in order to have a spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening that would eradicate uh, this obsession. And Roseanne uh, from, you know, Roseanne wrote about it herself. She, a couple of members came to her at some point. She began to put on some weight. We're not saying it's all about the physical at all. No, we are not. But nonetheless, as the face of OA, of OA at that time and the founder, 
it was felt that, you know, she might need to step back for a time. She did. She stepped off the board, as I understand it, for that time. And at that point, uh, she began to, to, and she attended AA meetings, and she began to become much more invigorated by the core message of Alcoholics Anonymous and the working of the 12 steps. And I think, the last I'll say about it is, that I think the likes of, and again, I, if I mention one name, then I'm leaving out 10 others, but they know who they are, these, these, these wonderful women that started Vision. I think they absolutely were just like Roseanne in the sense that they said, no, we, we have to study this book. We study this book. It's, it's a simple program of action. Let's trust the process. Let's not complicate the hell out of it. Let's focus on this and look at how people find this program. Look at the divine, sacred nature of how people have found this particular meeting. Pretty cool stuff. So, Harlan, do you want to add anything? Because you met the woman. <clears throat> you're, you're muted, Harlan. Harlan, star one to unmute. Did we lose him? Perhaps Harlan needs to call back in. Yeah, Harlan, we can't hear you, but... Yeah, let's wait a moment for Harlan. Perhaps he's calling back into the line. As he's calling back in, Leah, can I add a little bit about more? About that, I, I got there lost go. there. I, I'm okay. sorry about that. Oh, there you are. Okay, no, good, right. good, good, um, good. There were a lot of adaptations and, and things that happened that had very little, if anything, to do with Roseanne. OA, in its early days, Roseanne was very um, enamored with rewriting the steps and, and taking God out and putting doctors in and doing all kinds of other things. She was kind of lost in the woods. and. AOA, excuse me, was kind of lost in the woods. It went through a, a guru period of time. And let's remember, oh, uh, Roseanne was, didn't voluntarily step down from the board. She was removed from the board for gaining quite a bit of weight. But OA went through a guru period. We had the guru in the east and the guru in the west. And the guru in the west is why in in OA, you'll hear people say, oh, it's against the traditions to tell people who's speaking at the meeting or the, or the conference. It is not a violation of traditions. That's untrue. That stems from him, and that will be for another discussion. But the guru in the East was a school teacher in New York City. And he saw that people were not learning the program, so he did what school teachers do. He developed a curriculum of questions and answers, and the questions and the answers that he developed, it elongated the process of people working the steps. I'm not blaming him. I'm not saying he's a villain. He's dead now. God rest his soul. He's, he's gone now. But he developed a lot of, I knew him. Uh, but he, he developed a lot of questions and exercises and ancillary writings and things like that. And that elongated, it protracted the process of working the steps. And that was part of it. And then somebody out in California, they expanded on what he did. And then somebody out in Boston, they expanded on what that person did. And the next thing you know, 
sponsorship in OA became giving a series of written assignments and, and reading and, and marking a series of written assignments. There's nothing in this book that says anything about written assignments. I'm not knocking the written assignments. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not judging them. I'm nothing like that. You want to do written assignments, that's fine. But there's nothing in the book other than steps four and eight that would necessitate any writing assignments. And that just prolonged the process. I think what's happening today with vision, and there's some other factors too, but vision is the renaissance of OA. I know there's people that will text me, I don't like when you say that, too bad. Um, the bottom line is, I think vision is the renaissance of OA. What's the renaissance? It's a rebirth. And what vision is doing is getting back to old-fashioned recovery, quick hardcore, in-your-face recovery. And that's what we need as an organization, and that's what we need, in my opinion, as individuals. And I think vision is leading that charge, and I applaud vision for that. I applaud it. So I hope that answers your question, Lois. Thank you, Lois, for your question. Our next question, perhaps final question, comes from Debbie V. Thank you so much, everyone. uh, I feel like I'm on fire with this. Thank you so much. I have, um, I'm Debbie V from uh, Virginia, and my question, please, is what guidance can you give me now? Um, I was, I'm so grateful to say that my sponsor worked me through the steps really quickly, and I, I gained a momentum, and I could feel it. And I understand it, everything that was said today. Could I have, please, some guidance, whatever you can offer? What do I do now? I have a sponsee. What do I do when I work a sponsee through the steps? Uh, I heard, uh, Harlan, you, you mentioned that we give them the, um, uh, I'll use my words, the deference, the respect. We give them the time. Could, could each of you elaborate a little bit more? What do you do with your sponsees that have, have been worked through the steps. Thank you so much. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what Harlan, I'll tell you real quickly what Harlan does with me. <laughs> Probably does the same with others. What, what, what he does is he talked about um, that we need to, you know, okay, we, we have to absorb, we learn, we study Monday through Friday. Boy, do we study. I can't learn enough. But then I've got to transmit. So do I touch base with him each morning? He makes that time with me. Is he making the time for thousands that he may have sponsored? No, it doesn't work out that way. Some people go back out. Some people, you know, it just organically happens. But I talk to him each morning, and he tells me, take care, you know, he says, what are you going to do to take care of yourself today, Larry, in recovery? You've got to put your oxygen mask on first. What are you going to do today, Larry, for others? How are you going to help the still sick and suffering compulsive reader? And sometimes he'll ask me, what, is, what are you not telling me that you should be telling me, Larry? But he does it with compassion. He sets me out. He knows that I am going out there to the best of my ability and carrying the message. And he reminds me that we're not in the results business. That takes some pressure off of me. Um, and that's what he does. He, he sets us out here. And guess what? I do the same thing. I try. So, Harlan, I don't know that I missed. What else are you doing? Oh, you're Hitting fine. You do, and, and every day that I speak to a sponsee, I will do the best I can to remember to say this. 
Thank you for helping God keep me out of the food for one more day. And then I laugh. That person in reaching out is helping God keep me out of the food with a tangible reminder that I am a sick person and there is no way that my broken brain can fix my broken brain. I need the help of a higher power. And the way that that higher power comes into my life is most often through other people. If you think you lost God, look for him in the face of one of his children that's right next to you or right on the phone with you. Look for him in the face of one of his children and you will find him every time. So I say thank you, God. Thank you, excuse me. Thank you for helping God keep me out of the food for one more day. And that's what I tell them. Thank you, Debbie V, for your question. We can take one more. Give me a name. Star one to unmute. Cindy B. Jackie A from Connecticut. Somebody B. Cindy B. Cindy, go ahead with your question. Yeah, my question is, what do you do when you have sponsees that you take through the steps and then they don't get it and they want to work again, like just people who continue to relapse? Harlan, you take that. Well, wanting to work the steps again and they continue to relapse is two separate questions. If they're relapsing continuously, then I do probably the most merciful thing I can do, Cindy, let them go. They need to hear a different voice. They are not responding to me, not because I'm a bad person, not because I am uh, a, a bad teacher, but they're just not responding. And if they're not responding, then they need to hear somebody else's voice. It says on page 96 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that will answer your question better than I. Here's Bill Wilson's answer. Do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. Search out another alcoholic and try again. You are sure to find someone desperate enough to accept with eagerness what you offer. We find it a waste of time to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. If you leave such a person alone, he may soon become convinced that he cannot recover by himself. To spend too much time on any one situation is to deny some other alcoholic an opportunity to live and be happy. So if you are sponsoring someone, Cindy, that is continuing to relapse, it wasn't the Yiddish word of the day, but lozum gain. What does lozum gain means? Leave them alone. Tell them you need to hear a different voice. Doesn't mean you don't like them. Doesn't mean they don't like you. This is not a personal thing, but you're, we don't play with people's lives. You could kill them if you, keep, if you keep sponsoring them and they're not responding. They could die. So turn them loose. Larry, you want to add anything to that? or What do I add to that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Plus, we got to get layoff. I mean, you know, she gets paid by the minute. So <laughs> that's why Leia's making the big of, bucks. That's why she's making the recovery. big bucks. <laughs> yep. I get paid in recovery. Yep. Right. Thank you, Cindy B., for your question. Thanks to those who pose questions. Hey, I could hang out with you guys all day and all night. But we try to be disciplined. 
um, in this manner. So we will close. But thank you so much, Larry and Harlan, for giving so much of yourselves Monday through Friday, Sunday too. Uh, thank you for this wonderful presentation and carrying the message of recovery and bringing it with such great enthusiasm. Much appreciated. Once again, the share ID eighteen thousand six hundred and seven. That's one eight six zero seven. And further questions, of course, feel free to call Larry and Harlan. Those numbers will be given out at the re- conclusion of this recording. For now, let's close from page 164, and you know it's from a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.